This is John Dawson of Patio Daddio Barbecue in Boise, Idaho, and I've got it locked on the 50,000 gigawatt blowtorch of the internet that is Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet before we nursed. Listen, Libertius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. You have found the Barbecue Central Show, a weekly show that talks about barbecue and grilling. It's the second hour, as I just mentioned, in a repetitive fashion. We're here in Cleveland, Ohio, where we do it live. Where are you from? Love to hear where you're listening to the show from. Where's your HQ, your home base, your place to get down for the crown, all that? Email me, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Still to come on this show this evening, Kevin Green, owner of The Butcher Shop, Pensacola, Florida, providing premier meats to folks just like you and me, also to a number of the top competitors out there in the barbecue circuit, and it does not discriminate over sanctioning bodies, so don't even think that they're just supporting a KCBS or an FBA or a St. Louis barbecue or a Pacific Northwest. The list goes on. Is NEB still a thing? Why did I hear that NEBS was out? I could be completely wrong. But that's what I heard. So somebody please fact check that for me and drop it in the instant chat on the YouTube. Uh, By the way, there is a live YouTube feed of video. There's also a live YouTube, uh, live Facebook feed of video and a exceptionally live only audio stream, which you can find on TuneIn.com or TuneIn. I don't know. Go to my webpage, thebbqcentralshow.com, and the first thing to click on is audio stream only. That's a fun way to listen to the show. Think about what I look like all in your mind. If you've seen me once, think about what you think my face is looking like at that point. Whatever. Little theater of the mind, if you will. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. When we were racing out to Toledo on Saturday morning for a volleyball tournament, it was just me and the little one. And I was, this is going to sound very about me. But believe it or not, I care about how this show sounds. So. I will go back and listen to the show. Now, I'm not listening because I'm just so in love with myself and I want to hear myself talk, and I am. Aside from that, I want to hear how I sound and if I'm butchering words and if I'm talking over people and if I say stupid things that I'm not hearing during the show, but I catch it later and I I try to not do that or I practice talking, as I've talked about here on the show a number of times in the car. Sometimes I forget I have a guest with me in the car and I'm just talking out loud and the earbuds pop out and they go, what are you talking about? Shut up, kid. I'm practicing my speech. Uh-oh. I'm trying to be a better order. Leave me alone. Watch your TikToks. Anyway, long way to go. And I was re-listening back to last week's second hour in the open where I was talking about how the kids in volleyball are all into TikTok and how they're racing to bed. And I had said the point of they get up from the dinner table and race to the bathroom to do TikTok. And there Marley was bobbing her head up going, yep, we do that. We do that. I pay attention. Finger on the pulse, folks. Finger on the pulse of what is happening with the youth in America. And it is TikTok and everything else is a distant second. 
Coming up, folks, on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, that's episode 111 for your Valentine's Day listening pleasure clocking in at 9 minutes and 59 seconds. I think this is the closest we have come to a true 10-minute bump stop without going over. If this was the showcase showdown, you would be winning everything. That's right. It's not the Price is Right music, but you'd be winning everything. This is Bob Barker, out. Originally, this show aired that we'll play for you on Friday, February 5th of 2013, so over seven years from now. It absolutely boggles my mind that I can sit there, I can sit here and say seven years ago. Actually, seven years and nine days ago, this show aired where we had a judges roundtable. Everybody loving the competition roundtables, the backyard roundtables. And at one point, somebody had sent me an email and said, hey, you do all these great backyard roundtables to help teach us how we should be cooking and competition roundtables for us folks that are in competition trying to get a leg up on all the other teams because you have the best teams in each category showing up and spilling their guts. What about a judges roundtable? What are the judges looking for? How are they trained? What are they talking about? So that's a hell of an idea right there. So I put up Wayne Brown, BJ Hoffman, and Brian Pollock. Or let's go with Pollock. So if you've always wanted to hear a judges roundtable about seven years ago, this is going to be the one you want to tune in. Again, that's going to be episode 111 and ever so close to a full 10-minute stop right there. John Solberg, executive producer of the show, doing a bang-up job. Once again, looking for all of your input on the newest format, too, by the way. We are one segment. One interview segment and a true 10 minutes or less. By the way, brand new best moments of the Barbecue Central Show sponsor. That'll be my guest in the next segment, the Butcher Shop in Pensacola, Florida, home of the A9 brisket, always handpicked for you, mister. So give them a shout. By the way, there is a discount code now that they are part of the show. 10% off your entire order when you mention the show, and you have to call in. So whoever's taking your order, say, oh, by the way, I'm calling in. I want all of this prime meat and camel. I'm mentioning the Barbecue Central show for my 10% off discount. And there you go. Save money right there. If you buy $100 worth of stuff, you save 10 bucks. Just that easy. I did that math in my head just like that. Here's a note for anybody that's looking to buy a piece of his. Wait a second. Uh, This just updated. When did this update? Oh, crap. Uh Blew the whole damn thing right in the ass. Christ. Anyway, if you're a fan of barbecue forums... Back in the day when forums were the cutting edge, you know, I used to have a forum too, the Barbecue Central show, or it was the Barbecue Central forum. If you can believe forums, a place where you would go and post a question to complete strangers on the internet and who knows where the hell they were located or what real knowledge they had could sit there and answer all of your questions. And if you had a tremendously organic and engaged membership on your form, you could get answers to your questions like lickety split. And I had a huge barbecue and grilling forum, but what I consider to be the first forum well before Facebook, well before all that crap, it was a place called the barbecue forum, the website, the And if you go to that address now, 
It does not look like it used to. They've updated the software to a certain degree, but this was probably how forums looked when forums started. It was like a running list. There was a bold original topic start. Then there were italicized indents for all the answers that you got. Incredibly archaic. The guy that owned it, Ray Basso, was just relent- unrelenting in upgrading any technology on that. And I'm telling you, God bless, the biggest names in the industry back then, and I'm talking about 2004 and 2005, probably before that, they all showed up there. They were all their biggest competitors, biggest backyarders, going to the barbecue forum, trading what happened, trading cookers and giving thoughts on products and giving results of barbecue contests. It was crazy. And Ray Basso was one, what I consider to be a founding father of barbecue on the internet. I think Ray Basso should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Well, I don't necessarily agree with his iron fist running of his form. It's his form. He can run it however he wants. Not the way that I would do it. And I chose to continue to update my technology, but he remained the same. His success was undeniable. His impact on barbecue on the internet, especially as it related to communicating stuff, unmatched, undeniable. Ray should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. What I was going to get at was earlier in the week, I saw that the forum was up for sale. His health was deteriorating, and he was getting to the point where he wanted to find somebody else to run it or buy it. But I see now the forum is for sale, uh, also updated, sold. So if you bought the barbecue forum, please, I'm asking you, get in touch with me, the BBQ Central, uh, Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. And tell me, I want you, I want to interview on the show why you bought the barbecue for. Also, I would love to have Ray Basso on the show. Again, staple of the industry. All right, let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills before we get to Kevin Green over at the Butcher Shop. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. In fact, my new Daniel Boone Prime Edition just showed up at the shop. Thursday, I'm going back with the van. We're going to retrieve it. I'm going to set it up. I will now have the robust chassis, the peek-in windows on the cooking chamber and the pellet hopper. Guess what it also came with? A pizza oven. Now I got two. I can't wait to have pizza parties starting next weekend. I think we're past winter here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. I can't believe I said that out loud, but geez. There's only one day where it's going to be cold on Friday, like 18. And then we're bouncing right back up into the mid-40s. Dare I say 50 on Sunday? Pizza party. Come on now. I mean, we have volleyball, so there's not really going to be a pizza party. But I can do it now. Twice the pizza capacity. You go to GreenMountainGrills.com and search out what they have. The Prime line and the Choice line. That's the original. Bunch of accessories, sauces, rubs, and all that. And if you're going to NBBQA, Sterling Smith representative of Green Mountain Grills will be there as well, so you can chat him up. Kevin Green coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Show, giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by the Pit Barrel Cooker. 
The most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories to choose from, whether you're a beginner or professional. This is definitely a cooker you want to add to your arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. By the way, they are going to be hosting parties coming up for the NBBQA as well. So make sure that you stay tuned here to this show for major announcements as it relates to the first weekend in April for the 2020 edition of the NBBQA. All right, my first guest in the second hour, one of the most well-known meat purveyors in our industry, and they are doing it all the way down to the panhandle of Florida. You know them for the always hand-picked A9 Wagyu briskets, especially if you are on the competition scene, but... If you are a backyard warrior like me, and the majority of us are for that matter, you're always looking for a place that can get you exactly what you want at a fair price. Kevin Green and the folks at the Butcher Shop can help you on both accounts and more. Let's head to the hotline and welcome first-timer to the show, Kevin Green from the Butcher Shop. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Greg. How are you? I'm absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you making time and joining me this evening. And a lot of different places to get to, so let's go ahead and jump right in it. Let's get a little backstory sure. of Kevin Green for the folks maybe that aren't competing or uh, that haven't done business with you but have heard about the butcher shop but aren't intimately familiar. A little bit of backstory about Kevin Green. Are you from a long line of butchery folks, or are you the first in the line? What's the deal? Sure. Um, I'm actually the first in line. Wow. Uh, my background is is heavy in the um, grocery store environment, really on the procurement side. I was a, a dairy buyer for a regional chain out of college and worked for the largest wholesale, uh, grocery wholesale company in the country. So I've always been in the grocery business, but never really on the meat side until about 15 years ago. I got this crazy idea. I wanted to go into business for myself and, um, bought an existing meat market that had been open for about two years and uh, just said, hey, I think I'm going to do this. And that's kind of what I did. And uh, we made our way along and here we are today. Was the shop that had been open for two years struggling and potentially on its way out? So you pick it up or how does that business transaction come together? Yeah, it, it was. It, I had kind of gotten to the point in my life where I wanted to, I'd always worked for other people and wanted to get into something for myself. And I was honestly just, just not knowing what I was going to do and was on a business broker's website and looked at a couple of different businesses and restaurants. And there was a meat market for sale that was within about an hour from my house. And, you know, I just thought about it and I said, well, I, I kind of know the business, but you know, when you really think about it, when, you know, we talk about what we're going to have for dinner, you know, we may have corn and green beans, but what we talk about is we're having steak or chicken or pork chops. And so, you know, I just looked at it and said, you know, that center of the, of the plate's really what drives, you know, people's, you know, purchasing their eating habits. And um, the, the business was struggling. The guy had opened it and um, had a good year, year one, and then year two was um, much less of a desirable than leading into year three it was it was even less so so Tommy was good to, to buy that business at a pretty good rate was he just not finger on the pulse of what the market was looking for or like bad business or he just didn't have a passion for it in the end you know it's kind of weird because he was a lifelong meat guy he was a <laughs> 25 year market manager um but really didn't have you know a real good working knowledge of business in general mm -hmm. where i was the opposite i had a fairly good business acumen but i had never cut meat i didn't know what came from what so we were really you know complete opposites um you know had we been able to meld the two of us it would have been great but yeah, I think it was just one of those situations where he knew the meat side, but not really the business side of it. So how do you marry it up? You go and see a potentially good business op or, uh, proposition for you. You can come in, probably get it at a decent price. You're going into business for yourself. But you realize that while you're going to bring some business presence here, 
there's a whole other labor side that, as you said, you're not intimately familiar with, you're not an expert at. So how do you marry up that portion once you take over that business? <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of fear. When, when I made the decision to buy the business, the, um, the premise was never for me to be the hands-on meat cutter. I was, I was, had hired a guy that had worked at that store and he was going to run the back of the house and I was going to run the front. I was going to run the business side. And, um, the day we're going to the closing, he calls me and says, Hey, look, I'm not going to be able to come to work. I've got family issues. I've got to move back to Georgia. Oh. And, um, so I'm signing, you know, and that my life away. And, you know, I said, well, I guess I got to learn this. So I had hired a couple guys that had some experience and, you know, kind of just got back there. And, you know, fortunately the, the meat industry is a little different, you know, 15 years ago than it was 30 years ago. And, you know, swing beef and hanging beef really not as prevalent. And so there was a lot to learn, but the learning curve was a little quicker um, than it would have been 25, 30 years ago for sure. Kevin Green joining me here on the show from The Butcher Shop. You can find them on Facebook slash The Butcher Shop. That's S-H-O-P-P-E. And you can call and order 850-458-8782. Get 10% off your order when you mention The Barbecue Central Show, by the way. So save yourself a couple bucks. So as you had mentioned, butchering and, and the meat business looked different 30 years ago and then advanced to 15 when you buy it. But look, Let's be honest, 15 years ago when you bought the place, you look back at how things were looking then, both from a retail environment, sure. from a consumer environment. What has remained relatively constant within this business, and what have you seen as some of the biggest changes or challenges as you've advanced through those 15 years? Sure. You know, for, for us, our foundation's always been from day one service first and, um, you know, put quality aside, put variety aside. We were going to go to market every day on, on service and, you know, none of that's changed. So, um, you know, I think that's always been and will always be the core of our business. And that's been the constant that, you know, I think has been well received from, from our customers. Um, there's been wholesale changes, just in terms of, um, you know, variety of different grades that, that have come to prominence, um, some unique cuts that are getting more and more popular that, that may be less expensive. The biggest thing that I've seen is the, the consumer is just so much more educated and developed. You know, I've got people that shop with us on a somewhat daily basis and they may have three to four cookers in their backyard, um, anywhere from $200 to $1,200. And, you know, when I was coming up as a young adult, if you had a Weber grill, you were a little more developed and you were kind of into cooking. Nowadays, most people have, you know, a ceramic, maybe a pellet, they definitely got a Weber. I mean, it's, it's kind of like people tell me in the car business, the consumer is so much more educated today. They have access to so much more information. Well, our customers are cooking on things that are just light years ahead of what they were 15 years ago. Kevin, let's look at some of the other business stuff. You know, Aside from the Facebook page that I had mentioned, no real online or traditional online presence of note otherwise. Are you... Sure. thumbing your nose at the man online or are you encouraging human interaction and giving that personal touch that perhaps you would otherwise be losing if you just had a or if you had incorporated that online e-commerce sure i i think that's that that's probably true you know we we found early on that we could reach a great number of people um in an interactive environment like social media like facebook um and honestly, the, you know, the website's just kind of impersonal, you know, now the consumer can go to it at their leisure and they can, you know, peruse pictures and price points or whatever, and they can put an order in. But so much of our business is, is hands-on customer service that we really like that interaction, whether it be on the phone or, you know, I get 
and they answer 25, 30 Facebook messages a day. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. To, to a certain extent, we probably are thumbing our nose at the man that, you know, a website's kind of an old way of doing business and this, you know, social interaction is, is kind of the new wave and, and it's worked for us. I mean, we, we ship tons of briskets out every week without a Facebook page. And, um, you know, I'm sure at some point we're going to have to add that, that, uh, website, but, um, up to this point, we just haven't. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you are in business also with your son, Jordan, and so sure. this is a you know a, a kid that's used to having everything at his fingertips. The internet has been part of his upbringing, I'm sure. So, is there ever that talk between you guys where you're saying, "Hey, Jordan, it's impersonal. It's not necessarily the the new way of doing things." And if people are calling in, we're able to give our personal green touch here. But he might be like, "Hey, we could be missing out on." some percentage of business where people would just troll over the website, see we have a prime steak, dump it in a cart, hit checkout, put in their sure. credit card, and away you go. Yeah, and those discussions happen almost daily. <laughs> um, he's, kind, he's kind of an old soul, though. He doesn't even have a Facebook page. Um, so while he's 26, he's kind of, you know, Usually it's me saying we need to push the website, and he's saying we haven't needed it yet. What are you talking about? Hmm. Why spend the money? Interesting. So it's an odd dynamic sometimes. No doubt. Now, from a competition barbecue standpoint, I'm, I'm fascinated with how things happen and how the, the first contact you get kind of funnels in. So when I heard about the butcher shop, and it's been a couple of years now, the thing that I immediately associate with the butcher shop is the A9 briskets. And all of a sudden, sure. it seemed like out of nowhere, it was like, oh, you got to go down to Pensacola. You got to get these A9 briskets. Everybody's hitting with them. How do you get introduced to the barbecue scene in the first place on the competition side? Sure. Well, we fortunately for us, we were carrying the Australian Wagyu in, you know, ribeyes and strips and tenderloins. Um, at retail. So we were carrying the product line initially. Um, and then there was a guy, um, Matt King that lived here in Northwest Florida that competed, you know, eight or 10 times a year. And he would come in and buy, you know, a three score or four score Wagyu brisket. And we, we carry a couple cases. And then, um, we had one, we had one A9 customer for two years. Um, out of Crawfordville, and he, he turned us. He said, "Look, they, you know, the wagon briskets are great, but these A nines are showing up in Tampa, and some of the guys are using them. And so we would order a case or two a month, and he might cook eight or ten times a year. And he was our only guy that sold that, that bought from us for two years. And um, then we just said, you know, look, we we ought to go after this, and um." So we'd buy a little more and we'd pick up a customer here. We'd pick up a customer there. And then it really honestly got to a point where we, we had to leverage our existing business with the import source. You know, Hey, if we're buying X number of dollars of Wagyu, we've got to get more of these A9s. We built it up to where we, you know, were, were a small, a small player in the A9 business, but there was still one guy that had the lion's share and um, we just kept growing the business, and finally, we were able to, to leverage our, our business on the other stuff, and we got the lion's share of it. Um, and that worked out pretty pretty good for about a year, and then the import source um, gave up the line, and the line was in flux. And, and actually, my son Jordan emailed Australia and got a contact there, and immediately as the line was changing, we committed to every case, every month, uh, until eternity. And it worked out pretty well for us. Hmm. You know, the new guy picked up the line. He didn't have to do any work to sell the brisket. Um, and fortunately, you know, we're one of his larger customers on the non-brisket side. So, you know, it makes sense for him, too. From a Australian Wagyu or an Australian A9 brisket compared to something that you would get here in the States. I don't want to say what makes it better, but like, how does it 
differ from what you sure. would find from something competing? Well, the nine, the nine score would be the only one that is full blood, full bred. Um, just the A nine Master Kobe is full blood. Um, the 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 lower scores have some cross in them, but the percentage of cross is probably a lot better. So, really, um, it, it's a little unfair to compare the A nine to something else because hmm. it's full blood, it's full bred. Um, the marble score consistency is very consistent because of that. Um, and then the other big difference is just, you know, they're the only one currently that's decal fat off. So while the whole packer, it has five to six pounds of waste off of it before it even leaves Australia. <laughs> so, you know, we're biased because we sell it. We feel like it's our brand, but it really is a noticeably better product than other things on the market in terms of being full blood having the marble score consistently and having that yield yield ratio. And then if we're doing our job hand picking them, you know, it's really a, a, a no brainer. Let me ask you what that means when you talk about home of the hand picked A nine brisket. Sure. What what does that mean? When I call you up, what's what's the process? Do I have to be a, a competition team in order for that to happen? Or am I just any Tom Dick and Harry saying, hey uh, this is exactly sure. what I'm looking for. Like, what? How, I know it's a, a nice marketing and, and tagline, but what does it mean in real terms? So we get on average a hundred cases a month of these A9 briskets, and when they come in, we sort them competition worthy, non-competition worthy, <laughs> and that's relative to the flat thickness, the width of the flat, where they're going to get the slices from. Um, some people think size, but you know, that, that we had a guy last year, cook a 13 pound, a nine, he trimmed it, he separated it, cut it in half. He cooked it at two comps. He took first with half of it and the next comp he took second with the other half. Wow. So you can get a 13 pound, a nine that's comp worthy as long as it's wide enough. So what we do is we separate them when they come in. We've got a batch that's comp-worthy, and we have a batch that's non-comp-worthy. The comp-worthy is 10.99, whether you're competing with it or you're cooking it for your family. If you want it to be a competition-worthy A9, it's 10.99. All the rest are 8.99. Hmm. The, the briskets are no different. They just might not be wide enough or thick enough for you to compete You know, with. From a price comparison standpoint how does that stack up to what else is existing in the market um i think it's pretty aggressive pricing especially when you factor in um the yield if you can consistently cook you know the florida guys have cooked more a9s than anybody they started in florida you know somebody like rub bagby or jim elzer cooks 30 times a year and he's been cooking a9s for nine years, yep. you know? Um, so, so they've cooked more than anybody. Um, they don't ever cook over a 15 pound a nine. So if they're cooking a 14 pound at ten ninety nine compared to a 20 pound, whatever the price is in essence, it, the shipping's <laughs> free because they're saving $60 on the brisket. But I think the price is very, very attractive, especially if you factor in as long as we're doing our job. You're not going to get one you can't compete with. Um, we're taking the, the price hit on those other ones. You know, and it might be, honestly, it might be 30%. We may have 30 cases a month that we just won't ship. <laughs> There's not, nothing wrong with the brisket. It'll still be the best brisket you ever made, but you can't ship it at 10.99 to a competition guy. So those will just go to the, the, the regular retail folks then? Yeah, they'll go to the regular retail folks. Um, we ship them. It's a great practice brisket. I mean, if you think about it, you know, if you are going to practice test cook, you should test cook with what you're going to compete with. Sure. But you may not, you know, eight ninety nine is a pretty good price for a test cook. I'm not saying it's cheap. I mean, I don't want to come off as ten ninety nine is a cheap <laughs> price for a brisket, but for the quality and the yield, it's a great value. 
Kevin Green joining me here on the show from the Butcher Shop in Pensacola, Florida. If you want to call up and get your hands on one of those competition briskets or non-competition briskets, they're still going to be great, 850-458-8782. Or you can go and contact them on Facebook slash The Butcher Shop, and that's S-H-O-P-P-E, 10% off when you mention the show, the BBQ Central Show or the Barbecue Central Show, or tell them you listen to The Barbecue Show, whatever it is. Kevin and the gang will hook you up over there. Kevin, can I hold you over for uh, one more segment? We can get through some other stuff? Absolutely. All right, sure. stand by. We're talking with Kevin Green from the Butcher Shop, and I will talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue. Attention anyone who loves sausage and barbecue. I think that's pretty much all of us here in the listening audience. Established in 1882, Southside is one of the oldest barbecue joints in Texas, and they've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations, famous for their original beef sausage. That's coarse ground in a natural pork casing. They're also known for the authentic Central Texas barbecue meats that they're making and then shipping to you. And if you've never had the beef sausage, and I've never had until like two years ago, maybe three years ago, really good, different, really good in a great way. Different in a great way? I think that's what I wanted to say. All meats, including the prime briskets, are smoked low and slow for many hours over real Texas post oak wood. They ship nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com. And they ship fresh and smoked sausages nationwide. Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later. Include a custom gift note and mail to multiple addresses without additional charges. That's what I do every holiday. All shipped items are vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer. The meats are processed in their on-site USDA-inspected facility. On-site meat markets for fresh and smoked products. Custom orders are welcome as well. If you're ready to eat, go to the restaurant locations. Elgin, Texas, since 1882. Bastrop, Texas, since 2014. Grocery distribution through Texas and many of the surrounding states. The best part, of course, just like the butcher shop, you get 10% off when you order all of your stuff online. And then at checkout, you use promo code BBQ Central. That's promo code BBQ Central, one word, lowercase, and all together, BBQ Central. For 10% off everything at southsidemarket.com. Got to try the beef sausage. Got to try the sausage slammers. Got to try the jalapeno cheddar sausage. And that's just to start. They got a whole bunch of others. Southsidemarket.com. We're back with Kevin Green. Stick around. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. This portion being brought to you by Smithfield. Head to smithfield.com through the grilling season for recipes as well as tips and tricks from world champs like Chris Lilly, Darren Worth, Ernest Cervantes, and Childs Cridlin. Mouth-watering flavor, no artificial ingredients. Smithfield Fresh Pork, quite simply, some of the best pork money can buy, and it is the choice of world champs to use at competitions and at home in the backyard. Smithfield.com. And we're rejoined by Kevin Green at the Butcher Shop. Thanks for hanging with me through the break there, Kevin. Oh, my pleasure. All right, so the competition barbecue scene can burn hot, but can burn out pretty quickly as well. So how are you finding business in 2020? And what is the competition forecast that you've put together as you look forward ahead here for the first couple quarters? Sure. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty diversified. I mean, the, the barbecue piece of our business continues to grow. Um, you know, the, fortunately, the, the retail business is still the, the largest sector of our business. But, um, you know, I, I think you're right. Barbecue does run kind of hot and cold, but I, I see it more. I think everything has a shelf life, and I, I I don't really see barbecue, competitive barbecue, really making any dramatic changes or going away. I just think, you know, the pulps kind of are hot and heavy for a couple of years, and then they pull back a little bit, and then somebody else steps up and kind of fills that vacuum. Um, you know, so, so for us, you know, keep keep the pressure on and, and make sure we're doing our job and make sure we're a viable partner for these guys. And, you know, as some guys kind of pull back, well, there's other guys that are going to kind of push forward. From a percentage standpoint, you don't have to 
give me any specific numbers, sure. but do you have a, a thought on where your percentage of sales is from retail versus uh, percentage to competition folks? Like, could you really not sell another yeah. A9 to competition folks and it wouldn't really hurt you? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it, it's an important part of our business, but it, it, it runs about 15% of our business. So, you know, we, we're we still 85% leveraged um, with, with our retail business. And, and honestly, we, we opened a new location about two and a half years ago, and business was so good there that we made the decision that it was smarter just to run one operation than spread our resources over two. So... Fortunately, we're still in a really fast growth pace there with the new location that, you know, if barbecue ended tomorrow, then, then we just throw our resources at, you know, at, at retail and maybe some enhanced online. But um, I, I would suspect that our barbecue business would grow this year over that 15%. Kevin, do you have a, a thought on where the, the beef hierarchy is right now? I mean, you have some, when it comes to competition, I think Snake River Farms, there's actually a guy here locally in Cleveland called Mr. Brisket who seems to yep. supply some, uh, I think they're Imperial Wagyu's to some of the competition yeah, teams, right. and then obviously yourself. Is Are you first? Are you somewhere in the middle? Uh, are there way more beef suppliers that we're not even taking into consideration with that question? How do you see it? You know, I think I think that from a sheer number standpoint, um, you know, SRF definitely, you know, they've been the big dog for the longest and you know, they, they have some advantages that that, you know, the other guys don't in terms of, you know, their size and things like that. But I would say without question from a quality standpoint, I mean, you know, the top three brisket cooks last year cooked A9s. You know, from a quality standpoint, I think the A9 is, is on a different level from everything else. Um, you know, SRF obviously does a ton of things in barbecue and, and has the, you know, has the, but, but I think that the growth of the A9s, and um, I know Mr. Brisket does a really good job with, with his guys. I mean, there's, a, there's more than enough business out there um, for all of us. And like I said, we, we could double our barbecue business and, you know, there would still be a lot of business out there. Kevin Green joining me here on the show from the butcher shop. All right. So let's go ahead and change it up a little bit here, Kevin. Let's talk terms for a few minutes. And while okay. I fancy myself an expert in the subculture, I admittedly am not an expert, but these two terms specifically seem to be thrown around as if they are one and the same, almost like back in the day when I would argue with folks face-to-face uh, -face about barbecue and grilling. I would say, well, you can't use these terms interchangeably, blah, blah, blah. The terms I'm talking about here when it comes to meat is primal and subprimal. Are they the same? Are they different? How do they differ? What's the deal? They're definitely different, but, but as, the, as the meat industry has evolved, they've almost grave in terms of how they're used. Um, you know, historically a primal would be, you know, a large cut off of the butchered am animal back to the, you know, um, sides of beef days or the swinging beef days, you know, you took a primal like, like the rib and that would give you the ribeye and that would give you the short rib or you take a primal, um, like a round and that would have all of the rounds, in there, whether it be a top round or bottom round or inside round or eye round. Well, now with the advent of, of box beef, um, those primals in essence have almost, you know, become sub primals, but, but they call them primals now. So in the rib, in the rib, uh, exercise, you know, rib would be the primal and then, you know, bone in ribeye and short rib would be the sub primal. Now with box beef, they're almost se they're separated when they come in. So the primal now is what the subprimal used to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, and they're I was taking I was the just, original primal away. I was just getting some uh, questions in the instant chat here on the YouTube side. Uh, somebody was like, uh, "What's swinging beef?" So I mean, we're talking about you know big like a half a carcass on a yeah. hook, and it's like actually yeah. swinging as you're half moving it through quarters. the thing, right? 
And now it's right. in boxes. It's already been butchered down uh, to a certain degree or processed to a certain degree a little bit further. So it's now uh, coming to you in boxes, uh, something you don't have to hang on a hook. Right. So, so bone-in, like at Christmas, we bought 120 cases of bone-in ribeyes. Where they come oh. five to a box, you know. Um, whereas 25 years ago, you would get that in the primal cut, and then you would have to pay back the short ribs, you, would, you know. So, so it is the, the, the old school primal short of a slaughterhouse or, you know, a really small guy that, that's still buying it in quarters. You know, that primal now is what the subprimal used to be, you know, bone in ribeye or, or chuck roll, you know, and then you go from there into the merchandise cut that used to be the subprimals. But I think it's more of a function of just change in the industry. Um, and I don't know that the true form of primal still really exists in 98% of mm. America. And when we're talking about boxed beef, I mean, you still have actual meat cutters there at the butcher shops that oh, are yeah. taking them out and they're actually making them, as you said, merchandise cuts or, or cleaning them up or Frenching sure. them, things like this. Yeah, there's a big difference in boxed beef and pre-cut beef. Box beef is just those what are now primals, what used to be subprimals, coming in in whole pieces, and then the store cutting them into you know you, you take a chuck a whole piece of a, a chuck ball thirty pounds and there's eight different things that come out of that. That process is still being done daily in a lot of places. You know the the pre-cut pre-packaged stuff like what Walmart does is very good. You know, some people hear boxed beef and they say, oh, everything's pre-cut now. That's not true. Mm. It's, just, it's just cut down to the subprimal level. And other than those few people that are buying pre-cut, pre-packaged stuff, everything else is getting cut in-house. You know, at our, at our place, we still cut everything in-house. We still grind everything from our trimmings. We still make fresh sausage. You know, all of those things that people did 30 years ago. Kevin Green joining me here on the show from The Butcher Shop. You can find them on Facebook slash The Butcher Shop, S-H-O-P-P-E, or call them, 850-458-8782. Kevin, I would imagine that your retail interest has really seen some changes in regards to what end users are looking for, as you had said a little while ago. The knowledge that they have is something that they didn't have access to 10, 15 years ago. Uh, for instance, on this show, we've tracked the growth and popularity of dry-aged meat. I've actually asked you about dry-aged meat offline sure. as well. A handful of years ago, it was mostly relegated to high-end steakhouses. Now people are demanding access to it so they can cook it at home. Same goes for the prime grade of beef. Of course, Wagyu, as we've mentioned here, too. What segment has really taken you guys by surprise? What What's really taken you back? Um. You know, I think just the just the percentages of you know for for us, we have so many different grades. So that consumer has that option of high choice or prime or dry age or Australian wagyu or Japanese wagyu. Um, we just see the last few years the growth in prime and wagyu um, over high choice. Um, you know, I think that more people are trading up more often than they were a few years ago. Um, in a store like ours, they have five or six different grades, and they bounce around from grade to grade to grade, where before they just, whatever the grade they bought, they stuck with it all the time, and it never changed. Now we see a lot of, you know, trading up, trading back, trading up further. Um, but But there's definitely interest in better quality um, beef and pork. You know, we, we sell more comfort pork chops than we do commodity. Um, and I, I think it's just a function of people saying, I just want a little bit better quality. I don't mind paying a little bit more, you know. I was going to say, is it a demand that you think will continue year over year here, at least for the foreseeable future, as the millennial generation starts to take over? Or do you think it's something that might start to trend down with the Gen Xers like me? You know, I'd be surprised if it um, 
change downward. I think that, you know, as the population ages, in theory, they have more disposable income. So, so that lends itself to, to that trend con- continuing. And, you know, I, I can tell you with these millennials, you know, if, if they don't bat an eye at a $6 coffee two, three times a day, <laughs> I don't think they're going to bat an eye at an extra $3 for steak. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Kevin Green joining <laughs> me here on the show. That's a great, uh, a, a great observation. So the butcher shop gets outside the box as well. Uh, outside of the prime and the wagyu and all that stuff, you have some ex uh, uh, exotic offerings. Now, some folks have maybe tried an ostrich or a bison, but then of course, there's this thing called camel Uh-oh. that you have in the store. Uh, who the hell is asking for camel, Kevin? Well, you know, there, there again, people. People want unique things. And one thing about camel in, in the wild, you know, no different than beef where you have different grades and different price points, you do in wild game as well. Hmm. And camel is traditionally much better priced than buffalo or elk or ostrich. Um, so some of it is a function of its uniqueness. Some of it could be a function of its price relative to the other things in that commodity group, mm-hmm. you know, like elk that's a little higher on the scale. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's not the huge demand item, but it has some uniqueness. And um, I'm not a wild game consumer myself, but feedback's been pretty good on it. Where do you get it from? It comes from Australia. And they raise camel over there just like they would raise cattle or whatever for consumption yep hmm. yeah i mean I, I again i don't know that it has the global penetration obviously that it be for pork does sure. but but there's a market for it i mean it it's farm raised and inspected and you know exported out and um you know i think uh we, we get it from you know the same people we get the brisket from but i think they offer it in six or seven different um you know Things a ribeye strip, fillet, some some uh, grind meat. Um, so it's you know if they have several offerings, then it's a pretty decent item for them globally. Is there a flavor that you can compare it to? I have people in the chat saying it probably tastes like a big piece of chicken. Of course, everything tastes like chicken. You know, right? it, it is it is going to be more mild. You know, I I rate game, and again, I'm not a connoisseur, so I'm taking feedback from people. But, you know, traditionally, elk is very gamey. Buffalo is very little game flavor. And, you know, camel's kind of going to be in the lower middle, hmm. you know, less gamey, obviously, than, than elk. And, 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 and I would say, not, not to, you know, try to be cute, but I, I think your assessment's right. You know, kind of like chicken. More like chicken, obviously, than elk. going to be a white meat, um, you know. What kind China, of what kind of China. price point are we at here? Uh, you're probably in the seventeen to twenty dollar range, depending on the cut. Where you know, oftentimes on the buffalo, you're in the mid to high twenties, and and elk, you're more into the mid to high thirties. So, right. Yeah. So it is know, a little bit of an economy cut there. It is in that sec in that sector. It is. Last question, Kevin, before I let you go. I mean, if, if, if Australia is raising camel and we're farming it uh, and raising it for consumption, and I'm going to back into a uh, movement that I've been running for the last three years, can't America get over themselves and start raising horses for consumption again? I mean, if you look back in the history of the United States of America, uh, all the way back until, uh, I guess, what ended up being the mid to late 70s before it was outlawed. It was almost revived. It was re-outlawed again. And basically, uh, the government has said, well, the USDA is not going to be supplemented in cost like it is for the beef producers. So if you're going to do it, you're going to have to foot the entire bill, which automatically makes it a financial loser for anybody that wanted sure. to get into the horse business. But uh, taking all that bullshit out of it, is there any reason that we shouldn't be looking at horse as a viable alternative to beef? You know, I mean, uh, other than people that may have them as pets and may, may be averse to that, the, the, the real issue is that 
a, a lot of our non-traditional items come from Australia, and it is a USDA issue. Yes, I can buy I can buy venison from Australia or rabbit from Australia or camel from Australia, and and they can ship it over to the import source, and they can ship it to me, and I can sell it at a fraction of the cost than if I bought domestic. If I was able to find domestic venison, it would be four times the cost because. Mm-hmm. The, the cost that the USDA puts on the American uh, person to get that inspected for resale is exorbitant. But yet we're buying, how many rabbits do we have in this country? But we're buying rabbits from Australia because they're 25% cheaper than if we produced our own. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I mean, it's a tongue-in-cheek movement that I've been running with, but I, uh, I mean... I could argue all day for why we should be uh, offering horse out for consumption for any number of reasons, less expensive than beef, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, uh, sure. for for every kid that's had a uh, pet horse or whatever, I can make an argument that a kid has also had a pet cow. By the way, uh, the kids over in Geauga County at the Geauga County Fair buy pigs raise them, win a blue ribbon, oh, and then turn around and eat those motherfuckers by they next just, Saturday. So, I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, so we're on a high level, Kev, we're, we are potentially pro horse meat at the butcher shop. Well, I'll, I'll make you a commitment. <laughs> you keep the movement going. You get the USDA to pass it. Oh dear. I'll put the website out up the next day and we'll sell it. Here we go. Here we go. We got it. This was, this was the last piece. Now I can finally take it to the government. Get this pushed through fairly right. quickly, I would imagine. All right. Uh, Kevin Green is joining me here on the show. The Butcher Shop is the place you want to get your meat. Facebook.com slash The Butcher Shop, S-H-O-P-P-E. Better yet, call them, 850-458-8782. The newest sponsor of the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. And you can get 10% off when you mention the show at your order. Kevin, really appreciate the time, the info, and the candor this evening. Let's do it again soon. We'll do it. I sure appreciate it. It's my pleasure. You got it. There he is, Kevin Green, the owner of the butcher shop right there with his son, Jordan. And I thought he was going to back off a little bit of the horse, but no, no. He's like, hey, you get it legal, and they're going to be the first ones to sell it. I can't wait. We're ready. Now we got a retailer on board, everybody. Wow. Oh, oh, wait. Wait. Yeah. See, I knew. I knew. I knew that's what was going to happen. Oh, no. Now, hold a damn minute. You press one wrong button, and here we go. That's right, chicken fried barbecue. Load the wagon. Secretariat horse meat would be the Wagyu of beef equivalent. See, this is, this is where the issues start, Joe. We're not going to be dealing with any... Horses that have been racing, that have been doing anything other than being raised. I mean, there's Mustangs ranging, ranging the range, roaming the range. They're nuisance. You know, they're eating a great organic diet. They would taste delicious. Just ask everybody else, everywhere else in the world, how good horses. It's great. My brother had it in Germany. Couldn't talk enough about it. All right, we're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Wimpy. All right, welcome back, and we are getting ready to head right out all the way back in the first hour. We were talking with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. We talked about how to get you in a lucky position come Friday with food. We also answered some of your Facebook questions, then we moved to the second hour. We talked to Kevin Green from The Butcher Shop, Pensacola, Florida, slash The Butcher Shop, S-H-O-P-P on the Facebooks. Call them at 850-458-8782. Mention the show. Get 10% off your order each and every time. Big show planned for you next week. Stephen Reichlin, Robin Lindars. Pit Boss is in as well. 
your phone calls, your emails. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Wine Library TV, a.k.a. WLTV, and this is BBQ Central.